every single ladder or, or, or rung on the ladder that I've stepped up, I've, uh, I've set myself up to snatch and I've had to convince myself that everything was going to be okay because you've got one half of your brain telling you to go for it and you've got the other half going, but remember when this happened? <laughs> so um, yeah. it's, I, think, I think I'm always going to, I'm going to have that for as, as long as I keep competing. It's just something I'm going to have to deal with now. Um, but uh, yeah, we just, we just keep, keep making little, little jumps forward and um, so far so good. We'll see. Hopefully, like I said, when I get into competition mode, if I have to do anything particularly um, heavy, um, let's say at the Torian Pro in five weeks' time, you know, hopefully that, that athlete mindset takes over where, you know, I'm at the top of the rope and my hands are slipping, but I'm going to touch this beam because I don't care if I, I, don't care if I fall. I need, to, I need to get this rep. And so hopefully that mindset takes over because uh, whilst it can put you in challenging predicaments with injuries it's also the mindset that helps you win competition so um yeah when when push comes to shove i'll 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 hopefully be that guy in partnership with the morning chalk up and part of the morning chalk up podcast network this is the clydesdale fitness and friends my name is scott Schweitzer. i am your host and the clydesdale my friends are amy radowski charlie odie and kat shear We are here to bring you the best interviews with the biggest personalities in the fitness world and CrossFit from all over the world. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and write a review. It's such a big help to our podcast. And with that, we're on to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. RX Mark Your Jump Ropes, the best jump ropes in the business our title sponsor and such great support from them. You can get your RX Smart Gear jump ropes by going to rxsmartgear.com. At checkout, use Clydesdale 15, all caps, and you can get 15% off your order. Uh, You can buy jump ropes of any color, shape, size, uh, the handles, you can make those whatever you want. You can get the cable at different weights um, and different lengths depending on your height. So check it out at rxsmartgear.com. Use Clydesdale 15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. That does exclude new additions, new arrivals and special editions, but check that out. Uh, It's a great deal. In addition to that, they're also supporting our hashtag road to a thousand. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast, and you have a public profile, every time we hit the century mark with subscribers, we're giving away a brand new RX Mercury jump rope. And Dave Newman, the owner of the company, has promised to throw in a couple extras uh, for that winner. So make sure you go over, subscribe, and uh, you have a public profile, and you may be our next winner. Thanks. Okay, can we talk about the most delicious protein bars ever made? They have 20 grams of protein, no added sugar. The macros are phenomenal, like 200 calories. They are delicious, like a treat can't believe that the macros are the way they are and that the nutrients are what they are because they taste like a candy bar. Um, And I know my candy bars pretty well. I'm like a Snickers type of person. There's no aftertaste. They have so many flavors to choose from. If you don't, if you're not a fan of the caramel cashew, they've got salty peanut. They have a hazelnut nougat. They've got a chocolate dough, a crispy fudge, um, cookies and cream, white chocolate almond. They're all delicious, but check them out at bearbells.com and uh, try some for yourself. You won't be sorry. They're delicious. Totally awesome.
I think that's better. That's better lighting. I don't look like I'm coming from the heavens now. There you go. Total supermodel <laughs> now. <laughs> so, um, what, uh, what was I going to say? How long have you been doing this podcast for? About 18 months. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, and is it like a, do you try and get like one out a week or? So we do, we do one on Monday. That's like a, a, a CrossFit celebrity. And then yep. every Wednesday we release a round table where my friends and I just hang out and talk that's all. and just chat, chat shop, chat about what's happening in the season, all that sort of stuff. Is that, that's obviously a CrossFit podcast as well. The round table. Yeah. I, although it, it can go off in all different directions yeah. and we're okay with that. We talk movies, we talk actors. We t- I like this week, it went into a big Patrick Swayze dive and whether he was a good actor or not. All right. <laughs> what, what was the consensus? Well, uh, my, my female co-host said, yes, he was a great actor. Um, I disagreed with them very much. <laughs> a ghost was pretty good. Yeah. I, 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 there's a movie called Young Blood about a minor league hockey team that I uh, loved. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, I thought he was good in that. I thought he was good in uh, uh, Red Dawn. Yep. Yep. But other than that, I, you know. Other than that, not so much. Not a Dirty Dancing fan? No, not at all. <laughs> so, um, you'll have to, I mean, you might want to save it for the podcast. But yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember our, uh, our sort of chance meeting at the, at the Mayhem Classic. But I, I don't know. We're not recording yet, I assume. We are. I, I just throw oh. the record on because I don't want to miss anything that may happen good. Awesome. Oh well, maybe we should just maybe we should just start firing off so I don't I don't skew off into one direction too far. And you can uh, I'll let you take the reins and we'll we'll just go for it. Well, to our listeners, we are with Brandon Swan, a four-time CrossFit Games athlete, uh, all-around badass. And I need to do a special shout out to uh, my friend Peter at Coffee Pods and Wads who hooked us up. Uh, Peter's such a good dude, and He's a good uh, man. and uh, glad he hooked us up and we get to, a chance to do this interview. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, um, so, so I guess the first question is like, I'm not as familiar with Australia as a lot of people living here in the States. So where did you grow up, uh, in Australia? Uh, yeah. So I actually, um, I, I still live in the same place as I grew up. I, I grew up in a small town, uh, called Ipswich, which is about 30 minutes West from Brisbane, which is one of the, I guess, main cities in, in Australia. So we're up the we're sort of we're on the east coast, right up the uh, right up the or towards the top of the country. Um, so it's quite quite hot where we come from. Um, most most of the year it's uh, it's quite warm. Um, even like we're sort of approaching winter, and we sort of still get around in t-shirts and shorts uh, most of the most of the year. So it's it's, it's nice weather um, year round, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been here my whole life. I was born in Ipswich. I still live here. Um, good little good little, it's not not i wouldn't call it a country town but it's certainly not a city where somewhere somewhere in between and kind of get the best of both worlds which i like awesome are you close to water uh yeah we're, so we're about an hour from uh sort of the main beaches so the uh, you know pretty much everybody i think around the world has heard of the gold coast um surfers paradise and all that uh and then uh we've also got the sunshine coast which is sort of in the other direction um, but we're, I'm quite lucky where I am, where I'm sort of smack bang in the middle of those two. And it's about, it's about an hour to each of those coastlines, which is, you know, it, it would be nice to be closer, but um, it's, it's not too far away if you want to get, get, get down to the water for the weekend. And so I, I, I was doing some research on you and you, I heard you say that you played footy as a kid. Yep. 
And and to us in the states, that is soccer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, we we call. Um, so in Australia, like we sort of we sort of refer to it as soccer as well, but it's it's starting to sort of become more. Uh, I think it's universally starting to become recognised more as football now. Um, but uh, for us, uh, footy as we call it. It's usually referring to rugby, um, and there's two types of two types of rugby that we play in Australia. There's rugby league and rugby union, which I won't get too far into the details of how they differ because it's it's quite confusing uh, and probably boring to your, most of your listeners. But um, I played, I mainly played rugby league, um, but I dabbled in both types. But when when you hear me say footy, that's that's what I'm referring to. Okay, well, it's funny because the only other athlete I've had on that has played rugby was female. Right. Interesting. And who was that? Uh, Brooke Haas. Okay. Yeah, cool. And is she American? I think she's American. She yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Because rugby, I mean, rugby sort of, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's a hugely popular sport in America, but there's, there's a substantial amount of people play it. Am I right? Yeah. Um, I, her story is that she played soccer in college and yeah. then there was like a rec leg that she played and they kicked her out because she was too violent. <laughs> so and so she went and played rugby. Yeah, cool. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it was definitely it's um, I love it. I, I the only thing that's ever held me back from going back and trying to play again is the fear of getting injured and, and ruining a season of CrossFit for me. So I, I've never gone back. But it's um, I played all through from from my young junior years all the way through till about eighteen years old, which is when I sort of moved into CrossFit. I actually. I actually got into CrossFit to become a better rugby player. I, I was sort of playing at the, I guess, semi-professional level, you would call it. Um, I was young and trying to break into the professional level, like I think all young budding sports stars want to do. You know, you want to play professional sport. Um, and uh, I was a little bit too small for the position I played in. Um, just, you know, just a little bit too small, maybe a little bit too slow and um, needed to do something different to try and break through to the next level. So I got into CrossFit training to try and, um, become more explosive, more powerful. And uh, I fell in love with CrossFit and sort of the rest is history. I, uh, I, I made the switch. Well, now you've read my notes because that was one of the next questions was how you made the transfer <laughs> to CrossFit, but you've already answered that. So I'm yeah, going to go in a different direction. Uh, your wife's name is Kelly. Yes. How did you guys meet? Uh, CrossFit. <laughs> really? Yeah. So she was, um, I, I, for four years, I ran my own affiliate. So in 2000, and, let me think. In the back end of 2011, I started my own affiliate out here um, called CrossFit Western Front, which is still running. Um, a couple of the people that uh, I had as trainers now own the gym, and they're doing a fantastic job with it. Um, and uh, yeah, as sort of the sport evolved and things became more professional, um, it was getting more difficult to be an athlete, run a gym, um, and I, I had some other opportunities to chase as well. So. Uh, for four years, I had, I had that gym. She was a client. I promised myself I would never uh, break this a sacred coach-client relationship. But uh, yeah, she you know, fell in love with her the moment I saw her. And, um, and uh, we, she was a client first and she was very shy and I was kind of shy. And um, we were both in relationships at the time. And um, as fate would have it, um, both those relationships ended. And down the track, we found out that we were both single and um, yeah, and away we went, and it's we've been together for about eight years now, and we've been married for three, three nearly three and a half, and we've got a got a young son now, and yeah, it's crazy. It's we both look at it as like we we both look back and think about the first time we saw each other, and can't believe where we are now. It's um it's awesome. We're we're going well. 
good. Yeah, and and so your Nate, your son Nate is a couple years old now. Yeah, he he'll be two at the end of June. So he's he's 22 months old at the moment. So um, nearly two years old, and definitely approaching the terrible two stage. If he's not in it already, it's um it's it's every day is an adventure. Um, but I, I love it. It's fantastic. I love being a dad. Uh, and and how did that change your life becoming a dad? Uh, it definitely, it made me more organized. That's for sure. It's when I, when I think, I mean, the vast majority of my life, I mean, my life's dominated by CrossFit, whether I like it or not, because it's, um, it, it, as an athlete, it comes with you everywhere. We were, we were on holidays during the quarterfinals. And so, um, you know, my, our family holiday kind of got dominated by CrossFit a little bit because I had to get these scores in for the quarterfinals and do workouts and find gyms and, you know, when we're up and away. So it's, um, it's, it kind of comes and goes with you everywhere and it's part of your life on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, you're tracking all your food and um, trying to sleep well. And like, no matter how, how you sort of try to slice it and dice it, it's, it's always there. And uh, one thing I guess I never really considered much was how organized my day had to be because uh, I had all the time in the world to train and now I don't because I've got this little human being I've got to keep alive and keep entertained so it's made me far more organized but I think in a lot of ways it's made me a better athlete because I'm much better at like working with schedules and adjusting to stress or changes in the plan and so when it comes to going to a competition if little things change on the fly you know I, I don't really get phased by that stuff anymore because um, it's part of my day-to-day routine now. I've got to, I've got to adjust. Some days things go perfectly to plan. Some days I don't go to plan at all. Some days I have, you know, three, four hours of training to do, and I only get one hour done. Um, so I try to make sure that uh, I prioritize things, and I try to make sure that I make every opportunity count because there's a good chance that I won't be able to do everything in that day. Um, but yeah, in a lot of ways, I think it's made me a better athlete, and that kind of is reflecting in my results because uh, I kind of had a bit of a lull in my career in the middle and. Um, I've kind of been steadily building back towards some good form the last couple of years and my best forms come after I've had a baby. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely made me a, a better athlete in a lot of ways, which is cool. So I have a weird question to ask you. Uh, are you familiar with the video game Mario brothers? I'm familiar with it. Um, I don't know how, how deep my knowledge is going to stretch, but, but go for it. So my friends and I, we talk about marriage as it's like Mario brothers. Right. Right. The goal is to collect all those coins. Yep. Because you're going to have to spend them to do something that your wife doesn't want you to do. <laughs> yep. And then you have to refill the bag by doing stuff for her. Totally. And earn new yep. coins. Right. So yep, doing totally. the quarterfinals uh, on holiday had to be a big spend of the coin bag. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I'm uh, I am extremely lucky because, uh, my wife met me through CrossFit. She sort of she she knew what she was signing up for, and she understands that it's a huge part of our life. And uh, even if the quarterfinals weren't on that weekend, uh, I would have been training probably. Um, and and I, I I try to do my best to make sure that um, you know like I I you know like I'll get up early before she gets up and go and find a gym in the local area and get most of my training done in the morning so that we have the day to spend together on holidays or, or whatnot. Um, but when we found out that the quarterfinals were on and basically a whole couple of days were going to be defined by, uh, by this event, yeah, it was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit of a, oh, that sucks kind of moment. Um, but I'm extremely lucky because my wife is my biggest supporter. She's my biggest fan. Uh, I think she, she claims that she's fans <laughs> of other guys more so than me, but I think, I think she's my biggest <laughs> fan. Um, and it's, you know, so it, it, that helps a lot because it's, I, I, 
you know, I've been, you know, previously the relationship I was in, CrossFit was a big, uh, it was a big sort of spending point in, in the relationship. It kind of caused a lot of tension because I spent a lot of time in the gym and missed a lot of things. And uh, my priorities were very different to my partners at the time. And I'm extremely lucky that I found someone that um, supports and believes in what I do. And that's, that's made uh, the vast majority of my career very easy to navigate. So when you started doing CrossFit and, and it was when you started that, it was just to be a better rugby player. Yep. At what point did you do it and say, oh my gosh, I could be really good at this? Yeah, it was funny. I, it was, it was very fast. I, uh, my, so I started, I still remember the date. I don't know why I remember, but my first ever CrossFit workout that I went to an official CrossFit gym was the 24th of September, 2010. And the workout was a hero workout called Tyler, which has sumo deadlifts, high pulls and muscle ups. And I didn't do, I didn't do muscle ups. I did a, like a jumping muscle up, but, um, you know, like straight away, the coach at the gym was like, like, no one can just jump up and stabilize the rings like that. Like, um, you know, like, so there was already that, that sort of knowledge of there was a little bit of talent there. I didn't think much of it. Um, I already had some really decent strength numbers, maybe not so much nowadays, but at the time they were quite, quite big um, for anyone in the sport. Like I was, already, I came into the sport with a, um, you know, 220 kilogram deadlift and, um, and a 200 kilogram back squat and all that. Cause you know, as rugby players, we trained a lot of those lifts. Um, so I already had a good strength base and, um, I luckily found that some of the skills really came to me easy. Things like handstand walking, um, came to me a lot easier than it came to a lot of other people. And, uh, I, I had a decent level of conditioning because as a rugby player, you've got to play for 80 minutes at a time. Um, and off, and that's sort of without stoppages. So, um, I had great conditioning. I had good strength base. I picked up the skills easily. Um, and then I did a couple of local competitions, um, just for fun while I was still playing rugby and I was. Um, and again, it was very local and the, the sport was very underground at the time. But, um, you know, I podiumed at my first competition and then I, the next one I did, I won. Um, and then I qualified for uh, regionals um, the following year, which was the very first year of the Open. So um, sort of, yeah, by 2011, within a space of a year, I, I sort of had a bit of an inkling that I could, with some serious time and effort, I could, um, I could you know, have a run at the CrossFit Games. And, and that's what I set out to do. So I stopped playing football and um, and off I went. That was that was scarily ten years ago. Yeah, my my first workout was a hero workout as well. What was it? Murph. No. <laughs> yeah, the hero workout, right? Yeah, I was uh, I was five hundred pounds. Walked into wow. a CrossFit gym and saw that on the board. That's amazing. Oh yeah, I actually a couple of couple of my clients that I had who still remain good friends of mine of mine um, to this day um rocked up it wasn't murph but it was uh it was the first workout was chelsea which is a round of cindy every minute on the minute for 30 minutes and they were they were you know heavily overweight at the time no base level of fitness and they came in and and my knowledge as a coach back then uh you know i would never ever give that workout to someone um of that sort of level of fitness nowadays but back then it was kind of a you know like you'll be right come in this is crossfit it's meant to be tough um and it was obviously scale but they were they were questioning why the hell they turned up to this uh, this place to uh, to train, and luckily they stuck around and kept putting in the work, much like yourself, and, and kept getting results. But um, yeah, that's a tough uh, that's a tough entry to the sport for sure. Yeah, I I did it super scaled, and I think eighteen months later I did it RX. And, that's amazing. And on my on the end of the mile run, I just started bawling. Yeah, just just overwhelmed with emotion. Exactly. Yeah, that was the one you did RX that you started crying. Yeah. Or? Yeah, yeah, the one so I did awesome. RX. 
it shows you the and that's really the the magic of the magic of what we do and like i mean i'm i'm so privileged to be at the tip of the spear so to speak and to get to do what i do and compete um with some of the fittest athletes in the world but um the the real the real oh my gosh moments um are happening at affiliates on a daily basis and you know it's it's so cool to hear stories like that and the, and the way the way that a fitness program can truly change someone's life um it's it's amazing so much so and so so you make it to the games yep and and then in 2013 you have a big accident yeah yeah i did uh, so it 2013 was uh the first year that they programmed legless rope climbs at the games. I mean, they're very much a mainstay now. Um, even in, it's crazy how much the sports evolved because you know, like they'll program legless rope climbs at an affiliate now. It's just a uh, you know, it's just part of the part of the training regime. But it, it, they'd never appeared in competition at that point. Um, and the workout was uh, thrusters and legless rope climbs. Um, and you know, none of us were used to it back then. And I, I'm. I'm pretty sure we weren't allowed to use our legs on the way down. We might have been, but I can't remember. And the the mapping that we had underneath the the ropes wasn't um, super. They, they weren't using the massive, big sort of drop mats that they use these days. So um, people's leg, uh, people's grip was blowing out sort of towards the back end of the workout, and because um, we weren't used to this new stimulus, and um, and mine did, and I got it might have been like the seventh or eighth rope climb, um, so like the second last round of the workout. And uh, I got right near the top and I could feel myself starting to slide down the rope. My hands were starting to, you'd pull up, you do one rep and then you'd feel your hand just starting to slide back down. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going here. And I was close to the top. And uh, when you're in competition mode, you kind of, you don't really think about the, the risks or the adverse effects of some of the decisions you make. You just, as an athlete, you just make a decision to go for it. And uh, it's all about, um, all about completing the workout, right? So I was near the top and my hands were slipping. And so I made the decision just to reach and touch the, uh, the, the beam at the top without thinking about what I was doing with my other hand and um, completely let go of the rope. I touched the top and um, slid all the way down to the bottom and landed on my feet, um, but just felt like a shock of lightning went through my body. And, um, and at first I thought it was my back because I'd landed so hard that I had this, um, extremely sort of, like I said, violent shock go through my back and I, I couldn't breathe. And, um, Dave Castro came over and said, are you okay? And I, I was like, uh, I think so. And then uh, I tried to walk and my knee was, my knee was pretty heavily busted up as well. But again, I thought that was just from the impact and, um, and then the workout finished. I didn't complete the workout. Um, and then as I cooled down, I realized that it was, it was actually, pretty bad um and so we went to the hospital that night and uh, my knee was completely busted up i'd fractured my tibia and damaged the meniscus in my left leg and my knee um so i was out of the competition early at that point so yeah that was on i think that was on day two it was the friday night um in the tennis stadium and i had to pull out of the games early so that was um that was unfortunate um and i also found out later down the track um i had some pretty bad stress fractures in my spine um at the end of the 2014 season and they're reasonably confident that the the fall from the rope could have potentially started that process of weakening as well so maybe not fractured to a degree but uh the doctor i saw was pretty confident that a fall like that could have certainly contributed to um the back injury as well which sort of didn't really present itself you know for some time so it was, it was quite a quite a lot to deal with and a lot to come back from but um we're still here 
<laughs> so so your individ, individual years were 12, 13, and 14? Yeah, that's correct. So I competed as an individual 12, 13, and 14. Um, and then I uh, had a few ordinary years in the middle. I, and then I went back to the games as a team member in 2019, um, the year when we could have super teams. And so of those first three years, what was your favorite event that you got to do at the games? Oh, favorite event that I got to, it's hard, really hard to narrow down to one. Um, I really enjoy, I mean, I, and nowadays as well, I really enjoy things that are just so far out of your, not because they're the best events or the events that I'm, have done the best in results wise, but I've always enjoyed doing things that you cannot simulate in the gym or um, something that's, you know, like um, at the Mayhem Classic, for example, I really enjoyed the first event, which was the ruck run up the mountain, just because, you know, whenever am I going to run up a mountain in Tennessee again? Never. So that was, right. that was really cool. So, um, but uh, at the games, you know, so some of those events like Pendleton was awesome, um, which was in 2012, because it was just epic scenery and you're on this camp base. And that was my first ever CrossFit Games event. So it was a, that was a huge moment. I really enjoyed that. Um, unfortunately, in 2013, I didn't get to do too much. Um, but the one that sticks out from memory was the half, mara- the half marathon row. Again, not because it was at all enjoyable, um, but at the time when they said, this is what we're doing, we we're all like, you're kidding, right? Like, that's, like, I mean, since they've done a marathon row, which is even more insane. But um, at the time, the half marathon row was, um, was crazy. And I just, I have vivid memory of, because in that event, the first two kilometers was, was a separately scored event. So I just remember everyone going out really hot, guns blazing. And then for me, I didn't feel like I recovered till about the seven or eight kilometer mark. You were just like, just in the, in the pain, like just in so much pain trying to recover from this 2K row. Like anyone that's done a max ever 2K row knows how bad it is. We finished our 2K row and then you had 19 kilometers to go. Like it was, that was, that was crazy. So that was an awesome event. Um, 2014. One of the events we did uh, was uh, the push-pull event, which the famous um, footage is of, I think, Rich Froning and Josh Bridges going head-to-head, dragging the sled at the end. I did very badly in that event. I think I actually came dead last um, or very close to dead last. Um, but I was the last to finish in my heat, and um, and the I've never had a cheer so big as I did that night because, you know, the whole stadium, the entire tennis stadium was cheering me on to finish this workout, and I got over the line. I stood on the platform, and... Um, and got through it and just this overwhelming um, standing ovation from the crowd, which you never really want to be the last guy finishing. And it's, you know, as an athlete, you you kind of feel like it's a bit of a pity party when you get that sort of reception. But at the same time, it's, um, it was, uh, it was unbelievable to just um, have that moment. Um, So that's probably the moment that stands out for me from 2014. Happened to me yesterday at the gym. You you don't, you don't want to be the, the last guy, but man, when everybody was cheering for me, it, it made me push harder. It made me finish harder. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, it, yeah, it's again, it's uh, for me, I, I guess my personality type is I, I kind of don't like it, but I also really like it. Like I, I don't like being the last person to finish. It's, I think any, any athlete is the same. Like you don't, you don't feel like you've done your job well if you're the last one on the floor, but, uh, but at the same time, it's, um, it's a good reminder of how incredible this community is and how unique the sport is. It's not, there's not too many other sports out there where, um, your competitors and the entire crowd, regardless of who they're there to cheer for, um, you know, gets you over the line, which is really nice. So then the next couple of years is you, you're calling them more, your more common years or whatever it is, what you said. Um, 
you all you were close to making the games. You just always seem to narrowly miss it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So for I mean, it's been a while now, um, but certainly, I guess the you know two thousand two thousand and fifteen was an interesting one because, like I mentioned before, I had that back injury and I spent a great deal of the off season of twenty fourteen rebuilding um, and sort of rehabilitating around that injury. Um, and I also had a lot of, I had some changes. That was the first year I'd sold my gym actually. Um, and I'd, I'd moved on, I was coaching in another gym and, um, there's a lot of changes going on at the time, but I, for me, I, as I, as I've reflected in the last couple of years, I'm a bit older and wiser, um, and can look back on my time. I was, I never, I never consider anyone to be lucky in this sport because you've, you really do make your own luck. CrossFit's uh, the unique thing I love about this sport more than any other sport that I know of anyway, is that it rewards above everything, hard work and preparation, like in a team sport uh, or in other sports that require a bit more skill or talent, you know, you can rely on, um, you can sort of get by a little bit to a degree on just how talented you are at particular skills. Or if you're in a team sport, you can piggyback off other teammates, but as an individual CrossFit athlete, it really just comes down to, um, who's worked the hardest for the past 12 months and who's the most prepared for the test. So I never consider things lucky, but it, it was kind of a perfect storm in 2012 when I first qualified for the games because in 2011, I came 31st um, at the regional and I was a young kid and I kind of just decided that or I, I figured out that, you know, I just wasn't as strong as all the other guys. I need to get stronger. So all I did for 12 months was lift heavy weights all day, every day. I lifted heavy. All my workouts were heavy. And then in 2012, the programming got noticeably heavier. Like it just went up a notch. Like it was that year we had um, like the first workout was Diane. And then the second workout had had hundred kilogram hang power cleans. And there was, um, you know, there was a snatch ladder and there was a 45 kilogram or hundred pound dumbbell for the first time. And because I'd done so much heavy lifting, I was just better prepared for the test than a lot of the other guys. And, I jumped up to third place that year, qualified for the games. And for the next couple of years, I sort of piggybacked off that and kept performing well. Um, but then in 2015, 16, 17, the sport started to get a bit more expansive and better athletes were coming into the space. And I was probably still doing a lot of what I was already doing and wasn't looking at ways to advance myself further. And I had some massive holes in my game. I, I, I didn't invest enough time in my aerobic capacity at the start of my career. Um, some of my gymnastic volume um, needed some work um, and I hadn't addressed those things and so they, that come back to bite me um, and so in 15 that definitely came back to bite me um, and then 16, 17 I probably still was a little bit in the dark about what I needed to be fixing I was probably investing too much time doing weightlifting and those sorts of things and um, and again there was those, those skills that had me come unstuck um, and then I sort of, I had to really sort of go back and sort of figure out what was wrong. It, it took a really big, a really big failure in my book to make some serious changes. In 2015 and 16, I, I missed out, but I was sort of, I was in the mix for most of the weekend and, you know, had a couple of things gone my way. I may have qualified. Uh, in 2017, I was never in the race. I came 21st at the regional and I was from, from event one all the way through the weekend. I was never going to, never even close to making it. And that was when I had to really, look within myself and decide if I wanted to keep doing this and what changes was I going to make to get myself back in the mix and become a competitive athlete again in, in, in Oceania or in, in the Pacific at the time. 
Um, and that, that's when I started the rebuild. I, I made some big changes and started focusing on some things. And from 2018 forward to now, I've, I've had, um, you know, I haven't got, quite got back to the games yet, but like 2018, I, I missed out by the narrowest of margins. I came, I think I came eighth, but I was three points out of fifth, which it was, it was so close going into that last workout. Um, 2019, I decided to go teams with uh, Project X because it was a, um, the this, this season was all over the place and we thought we'd just go team and see how things went. Last year, obviously, we had COVID, um, but, I've, but I've very much come into my own. I'm feeling confident and um, having a, almost a renaissance period in my career now, which is nice. We're going to take a short break from our interview to tell you about our newest sponsor, Up Before You Coffee. They are an amazing coffee. It is delicious, has different little notes of chocolate and things like that. Um, and it's really clean and crisp uh, when you drink it in the morning. Uh, but they have a light roast. Uh, they also have a medium roast, as you can see there. Um, we are so excited about the sponsor sponsorship. Uh, if you use Clydesdale 20, all caps, Clydesdale 20, you can get 20% off your order. Just go to upbeforeyou.com and uh, order your coffee. It's delicious. You'll love it. Yeah. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but I want to ask about Project X a little bit. Yeah. So that, that team comes together and I believe the active roster was you and Khan and yep. Harriet Roberts yep. and, and Jess Coughlin. Yes. Okay. And so the first question I have is then you have the ex terminators who name yep. themselves just to take you out. Yep. <laughs> and so, so what was that battle like by the two Australian teams trying to, to, to get after each other? Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, that sort of, I mean, we, uh, we have a term in Australia. I don't know if you guys have this term in Australia, in America, sorry, but in Australia, we have a, we have a term that we we call taking the piss, which is uh you know just it's a it's very much an Australian um, way of humor, and you know we uh we like to we like to enjoy ourselves and make fun and 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 uh, have a bit of banter, and um, so I guess from from those guys it was a little bit of a um, a little bit of a piss take, so to speak. Um, but it you know for us it, it was, I thought it was awesome, like it. it you are, you are only lifted by your competition, you know? So yeah. we came out um, in the first, we decided to get the team together. We came out and did the first sanctional of the season, um, which was the Australian CrossFit Championships. And we pretty much swept the floor. We won every event. I think we came second in, we came second in the first event, which was a water event. And then we won everything else after that. So it was pretty much a clean sweep. Um, and then we had another sanctional coming up, um, which was the Down Under CrossFit Championship. And those guys got their team together and they, they brought James Newbury in and Matty Sturt, who were going to be competing individually, but basically put this super team together to try and take us out. But it was, uh, it was really, it was, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was a good way for us to really fire up going into the games. Um, the, that weekend was an awesome weekend of competition. We, ended, we actually ended up drawing on points, I think. It was a, it was a tie, um, if I remember correctly. Um, and then they decided to account back or something and they just decided that the exterminators won the weekend. But I think on points, it was a tie. So uh, it was super tight race the whole time. And um, I don't know, like I, I like a bit of rivalry and a bit of banter. So I really enjoyed it. And being teammates with Khan, we, we've actually had Khan on the show before. And yep. uh, like, he's just a riot. Um, so oh, yeah. much fun to be around. Um, yep. what, what was it like being his teammate? 
Oh, it was, it was the best. We, uh, Khan and I have been friends for, I mean, we both qualified together in 2014 and uh, really got close that year and have been friends ever since. And, uh, but as, as anything goes, you know, like he lives down in Sydney and we're not super close to one another. So, um, you know, over the years, I wouldn't say we drifted apart, but uh, we, we've always remained friends, but never really got to spend a huge amount of quality time together. And doing the team was, was so much fun because we really got to come together. We were, we were together, you know, many weekends over the year um, training. And I, would, I was always, I was from Brisbane, the other three were from Sydney. So I was always traveling down there and staying with Khan and, so to be able to sort of get together again and become closer as mates was uh, was awesome. And since then, we've been uh, even closer than before. And it's funny because we lead uh, our lives in a lot of ways are polar opposites of one another. Um, you know, Khan loves to go out and have a beer and, and have a social life. And I definitely don't have that because I, I live in little old Ipswich with my wife and, and son. So um, <laughs> our lives are very different, but uh, we find common ground in, uh, in a lot of things. And we, we sort of, we're very much a... You know, I'm the yin to his yang and vice versa. And uh, whenever we need advice on things, he's the first person I call and, and I'm the first person he tends to call. And, um, you know, I, I switched to weightlifting last year um, for a period of time uh, and then come back into CrossFit, which I'm sure we can talk about soon. But he was the very first person I called. I, I spoke to him about it before I spoke to family members um, or, or anyone else. And um, and his, his opinion means a lot to me. And I think he knows me really well and always gives good advice and I like to think I can um, provide that back to him uh, the same way. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's, it's great fun, but um, yeah, the, the team being on the team with calm was, um, it, I will remember the off floor moments a lot more than I'll remember the on floor moments. Put it that way. <laughs> if that's anything to go by. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think that would have been a prediction by a lot of people. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the last question I have about the team is because you were so far apart you actually talked about in, in an interview somewhere where you you did a rhythm test or like a beep test where you, uh, yeah. you would learn the rhythm of the other athletes by beeps. Yeah, so we used a, I can't remember what the what the actual term, is it called a, someone will know the, the, the name of the um, tool that's used, but like musicians will use it or whatever. Like a metronome? Metronome, yeah. So we used a metro. We just used a metronome app, and we decided we would do a couple of workouts because we weren't training together every week, uh, every day. You know, you got teams like CrossFit Mayhem who are training together on a daily basis. They're obviously the gold standard, and, and a lot of teams could do that. And we we would get together maybe one or two weekends a month, but we would spend the majority of our training by ourselves. And a lot of the training was just individual training anyway, addressing your own weaknesses to make sure you were better for the team. But we would have team workouts that we would do each week in our program. And what we would do is we would we would have a, a set workout and we would do the reps to a metronome. So we would all do the workouts at the same pace. Um, so it was to get used to working at a pace that wasn't actually your own. Sometimes it felt easier because you were moving a little bit slower and more intentionally. And a lot of times it felt way harder than, than, than you thought. So, and you realize how much you rest on certain things. So um, it was actually a really good tool. Um, because it sort of made you realize where you may have to make some improvements if you think you're good at something and then and then you can't keep up with this metronome and it makes you realize you got to work on something a bit more so but we did that probably a couple of times a week uh, for a few months and it, it, it was a good way to um, when we would come together and jump on things like the worm where you need to be in sync or doing synchronized movements together uh, it made it made the uh, transition a lot more seamless yeah it sounds like an awesome idea and so you mentioned, and, and this is where my timeline's a little fuzzy in, in my research. 
you you mentioned that you switched to lift weightlifting for a little bit. Yeah. And yep. so that that was Olympic lifting. And yep. and I'd heard that and that you had done that. And then also that you suffered a very horrific elbow injury. Yes. Did the weightlifting switch come first or the elbow injury? Uh so the weightlifting switch came first. So in uh if I back it up to the start of last year, the start of 2020. Um, prior to COVID and all that sort of stuff happening, the first sanctional of the sea. So I just, so right at the start of 2020 was Mayhem Classic, which is where we met. Um, and then two months after that was the first Australian um, sanctioned event, which was the Australian CrossFit Championships, which was the same event we did as the team the year before and qualified from. Um, so I did that event. Um, I placed fifth in that event. I had a very bad day one. We had some beach events. I, I did terribly in a couple of them and had to sort of claw my way back. And unfortunately, unfortunately, got, I got myself into fifth and had a pretty good weekend after that. But um, obviously, it was out of a qualifying spot um, with them only taking one spot from each sanctional. So I and I was kind of the sport was very much I wouldn't say in disarray, but uh, a lot of things within the I, I don't know, without saying too much, I didn't really enjoy that event in whole in general. Um, and I, I um basically sort of what i don't know i was ready to make a bit of a switch or a change because uh i don't know i just i, I really liked the regionals and i really loved the way the sport was and it just didn't really feel the same and um you know i'd been doing it for a while and um and the opportunity to try some weightlifting came up um we're i'm very lucky where the the australian weightlifting team coaches are based in brisbane and um and sort of an opportunity came up to train in weightlifting and potentially, um, you know, go for a Commonwealth Games spot, which for, for, for the American uh, viewers and listeners, the Commonwealth Games is kind of like a, I mean, it's it's not quite to the um, standard of the Olympics. but It, it, it uh, would be like our Pan-American Games. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah, exactly. So um, we have like uh, Great Britain, Australia, Canada, um, a lot of the Commonwealth countries that compete. Um, Tia famously won the gold medal in weightlifting for Australia at the last Commonwealth Games. And, um, you know, like I've been able to represent my country in CrossFit and the opportunity to potentially represent my country in another sport had come up and, uh, and I thought um, that I would go for it. So um, I basically put CrossFit on hold for a couple of years with the goal to qualify for the 2022 Commonwealth Games in weightlifting. Um, and I was going to compete in the 89 kilogram class. Um, I was going really well, building good numbers, and then suffered a really bad elbow injury um, during weightlifting during weightlifting session. So right towards the end of a um, training cycle, um, we were testing some one rep maxes, and I'd I'd been building an increase in my snatch um, quite rapidly, and uh, and I knew that sort of the 140 kilogram snatch was sort of my target, and um, I was building really close to it. I the week before I'd hit 138, and I just narrowly missed 140, and I really wanted it badly, and I went into the gym one day and, um, and yeah, just nothing went right that day. It was, I should have, looking back, should have read all the signs, um, but nothing went right. And uh, it ended with a dislocated elbow, um, lost the bar behind me, dislocated my elbow and uh, also ruptured some tendons and ligaments uh, in and around the elbow, which often happens with a dislocation. So that required um, surgery. Um, if I, it's it's not a it's not an injury that requires surgery for a lot of sports, but for weightlifting and CrossFit where you need to lock out your elbows for a lot of movements, it, it did require surgery. It was a, it was a necessity. Um, 
and I still at that point was getting back into weightlifting. I, I was still chasing that 2022 Commonwealth Games even after the surgery. I wasn't deterred by it. Um, but about six weeks into my rehab after the surgery, I actually found out that my weight category wasn't going to be included at the upcoming Commonwealth Games. So I would have to either lose nine kilograms or gain nine kilograms um, and move into a different weight class, which both of those things weren't really viable options. The losing nine kilograms was not really viable um, in terms of just, I talked to my dietitian and we just didn't really see that as an option. Gaining nine kilograms was certainly a viable option, but the numbers that the guys in that class were hitting I wasn't going to be able to work my way up to in, in that short of time. Um, they've just got some amazingly strong lifters. Um, you know, I would have been having to clean and jerk upwards of probably close to 200 kilograms. So that probably wasn't going to happen. Um, I was realistic about that. So I luckily had a nice fallback option to come back to CrossFit. And in that time, the sport had changed in a lot of ways for the better. Um, ownership had changed. There was a, you know, the, they were talking about restructuring the season and, um, you know, so we're, we're back to this model now where, you know, we've got um, semi-finals, which are a lot more like regionals and things are a bit more controlled. And um, and so it, it all made sense for me to come back. And um, yeah, so I, I made the decision six weeks into my rehab that I wasn't going to be going back to weightlifting. I was going to make a comeback to CrossFit and here we are. So I, I saw the video of the, of the accident and I'm so glad that the video cut off shortly after it happens. <laughs> yep. Um, and in that video, you, you have a quote that I think I'm going to put up on my garage gym wall. And cool. it is stop waiting for motivation and start cultivating discipline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome quote. I actually got that from, uh, if you, I don't know if you've had him on the show yet, or, uh, if he does come on at some point, but he, I, I got that quote from James Hobart. Um, oh, yeah, I've had him on the show. Yeah. He posted it. Uh, I think it was, I think he, posted it via his wife even um but it was around that time i saw it and i was like that is just that is the perfect quote for me um and you know it's just you know like it's it's a good reminder that uh you know motivation comes and goes but if uh but if you but if you're disciplined enough and you just you just get out and start every single day and you make little things happen um and and just move the needle just inch by inch um you know big things happen little things become big things so, um, and that was really the, the, I guess the quote or the mantra that I lived by as I rehab my elbow, because it was, uh, it was just, you know, you know, today I can do this much, but tomorrow I'll be able to do this much. And, and the next day I'll be able to do a little bit more. And I just took it day by day and, uh, and I made sure that I was disciplined in my, in my rehab. And I, you know, if my, without being stupid about it, if my, if my instruction was to do five sets of 10 banded such and such, I was doing five sets of 15 or I was doing five sets of 10 in the morning and again in the evening. And I was um, doing all the recovery things necessary. And I was looking into my diet and I was making sure that any, any 1% chance I could take to improve my injury to maybe get me, get me back to competing one sooner, but two at all um, was a chance I was going to take. So that's uh, that, that quote really helped get me through, the first couple of months where things were sort of it could have gone either way it's i actually put up a post on instagram this morning because i had a question from a young teenage athlete about the what was the most important lesson i learned from my injury and it was for, i said to them like not to take anything for granted um because you know life can change in a split second because for me it did like i was you know 
making big jumps in my lifts and everything was going super well and training was going fantastic. And then I had this massive hurdle with the injury and it literally was a split second. I went from feeling great to having my elbow sticking out the wrong way within, you know, within seconds, my whole life had changed. So, um, but, and there was no guarantee that I'd be able to come back to CrossFit or, or weightlifting because with elbow dislocations, a lot of them never straighten properly again. And so for me, it was, I, I had to take every chance I possibly could with my rehab to make sure that I gave myself every possible opportunity to come back and, and get my elbow back to full strength just so I'd be able to compete again. And, um, and the only way I got to where I am now is through daily discipline. So um, yeah, it's, it's a great quote and still something that I still something that I feed off on a daily basis. So your mindset during that time, one, you've suffered this injury and you've got to come back seemed to be really good, but I'm sure there were down days where you, you had to look at that quote or, or something to get you through the day. And then the next hurdle is how do you go back to snatching? Very lightly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, it's it's same thing though with, uh, you know, the, you know, I'm back up to snatching almost my sort of max numbers. Again, I haven't truly maxed out yet, but I've, I've, I've worked back up to like, so the heaviest I've gone with a snatch right now is 125 kilograms um, or 275 pounds for a double. So that was the two reps. I haven't gone past that yet um, just because I haven't needed to, but um, I know there's some more in the tank, but you know, I started with an empty barbell and every, for a while there, every jump was, was scary. I remember the first time, the first time I felt really scared was when I went back to 90 kilograms. For some reason, that was that weight was where just things started to feel, where the bar started to feel a little bit heavier. And I was just, I didn't really feel super confident anymore. And, and from that point, every single time I made a jump forward, um, you know, you, you, your motivation to come back collides with the image or the memory of what happened previously. Um, and, uh, and it's literally at 95, at 100, at 105, at 110, every single ladder or, or, or rung on the ladder that I've stepped up, I've, uh, I've set myself up to snatch and I've had to convince myself that everything was going to be okay because you've got one half of your brain telling you to go for it and you've got the other half going, but remember when this happened? <laughs> so um, yeah. it's, I, think, I think I'm always going to, I'm going to have that for as, as long as I keep competing. It's just something I'm going to have to deal with now. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just, we just keep, keep making little, little jumps forward. And, um, so far, so good. We'll see. Hopefully, like I said, when I get into competition mode, if I have to do anything particularly, um, heavy, um, let's say at the Torian pro in five weeks time, you know, hopefully that, that athlete mindset takes over where, you know, I'm at the top of the rope and my hands are slipping, but I'm going to touch this beam because I don't care if I, I don't care if I fall, I need to, I need to get this rep. And so. Hopefully that mindset takes over because uh, whilst it can put you in challenging predicaments with injuries, it's also the mindset that helps you win competition. So um, yeah, when, when push comes to shove, I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully be that guy. Sounds good. And so I want to kind of talk about that. You've, you've said that you're, you're at, you feel like you're in a Renaissance and that yep. the, the career is coming back and the quarterfinals you did very well. You finished sixth in Oceana. Well above the the cut line, you're going to move forward to the Torian Pro. And that's a place that's been really good to you. Yes, very good. I was was extremely excited when I saw that that was the semifinal event for Oceania. Um, If I was going to pick one competition in the world for me to qualify for the games through, it would be the Torian Pro. Um, 
you know, it's, I don't know, for me, it's, it's, it's like, it's been a, I've got a good history of competing there. I've never not finished on the podium at that competition. I've won the last two and it's in my backyard. You know, it's, uh, I, I think I, I really do believe in hometown advantage and, um, you know, it's kind of, I feel like it's my jungle and, uh, and, and I'm the king of it and I want to, I want to maintain that crown. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited and, um, and confident going into the, going into the, the next one. And, um, last, the last one I won was the, uh, the second one in a row and no one had ever won two Torian pros in a row. Um, and, uh, and, and now I want to make that three. So hopefully, hopefully this year is the three peak. It's funny you say that because I was, the games. I was a, uh, I was a competitive swimmer coming up and there was one pool that whenever I swam there, I PR'd. Yep. Yep. And, and I don't know what it was. It's the same length as every other pool in the world. Yeah. Right. But for some reason in that building, like that's, that's my place and nobody's going to beat me. And that's the, and it's, it's funny. Like, it's the way I feel like I've, I've got a really good crew and community I train with here. And I got a, a, an old friend who runs the gym that I train in now. And, um, I was talking to him. I said, you know, it's funny. I, uh, in every, every time I've won a big competition, uh, I kind of felt, I kind of knew I was going to win, like going into it. Like I, I knew I was going to win. I felt like I was going to win. And there was never a doubt that crossed my mind. And, um, and I've got that feeling about this competition. So that's, a, that's, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but that's a good omen. Every time I've felt that way, um, things have gone the way I've wanted them to. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that's a, a good message for, for me going through into this competition as well. Well, I'm going to finish up with this little story and then we're going to hit some rapid fire to, to end the show. But um, yeah. I had heard that you went to Olympic lifting. I heard that you were, you had the accident and then I, I don't know what happened. I I didn't hear from you for a while, like in social media and stuff. And I was talking to Peter the other day and I looked at the leaderboard for Oceana and I was like, oh my gosh, Brandon's back. Like, when did he come back to CrossFit? And you, and like your scores were awesome. And that's how we got talking about you. And that's how this kind of got hooked up. Cool. And I told Peter, like, you were one of the nicest guys I've ever met in CrossFit. When we met at the (laughs) Mayhem Classic, I was volunteering and I was doing security at the one gate and you came over and said, anything you need. And that's very odd for an athlete to come over and ask a volunteer if there's anything they need. Like it's your competition weekend, not mine. I'm there to support you. And so that, that blew me away that, that you were that nice of a guy. Yeah. uh, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I think, I, I mean, we, we chatted briefly before coming on and, uh, you reminded me of that uh, situation, and you know, like I, said, I think uh, I've had a very interesting career. It's uh, it hasn't always gone to plan. It certainly didn't go the way I thought it would. If you look, if you go back and ask the kid that made three CrossFit Games in a row, he thought he was going to make it every year for the next ten years, and that didn't happen. And I've had a lot of obstacles I've had to overcome. I've had some big injuries, um, and now at at the point I am with my career and um, with my family and uh, you know, everything that CrossFit's given me, I'm just, I'm at a, I'm immensely grateful for the life I get to live. And I don't take it lightly that I, um, I mean, I'm incredibly privileged to do what I do. And I also realize that it's not going to last forever. And, um, and so I, I feel, uh, I feel a need to give back where I can in small amounts. Um, I don't try to do anything too drastic, but I, I do believe that, um, you know, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I believe in karma, but 
but um, and I don't do it because I, I don't do these things because I want to, you know, upset or increase the balance of karma. But uh, I, I do believe what goes around comes around to a certain degree. And so I try to put good out to the world where I can um, while still keeping a focus on myself. Um, obviously that weekend I'm my highest priority, but I don't think it, it really takes zero effort for me to go and ask someone if they need a bottle of water or something like that. And, um, and it, again, it just comes from that place of immense gratitude because, you know, especially post injury, even more, even more to a degree now, like, you know, like there was a good chance I was never, you know, never going to be able to compete again, but luckily through diligent rehab and focus, I'm, I'm in a place where I can, um, you know, so now more than ever, I realize how lucky I am to be doing what I'm doing and how lucky I am that someone like yourself finds me interesting enough to get on a podcast and chat about my experience. But in five years time, no one's going to give a shit like, cause there'll be, there'll be other people doing what I'm doing now. And, uh, and my time will be up and, and I'll just be a, I'll just be an old fit dad. Who's got some war stories. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's immense, immense gratitude and, um, thankfulness and, and that's where it comes from. And, um, and you know, if, uh, if I'm, if I'm remembered for that, um, you know, above even being a better athlete, then that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a, that's, that's a nice impression and something I'm something that I, uh, am proud of. So, um, I'm, you know, hopefully, hopefully most people have, a have that memory of me when I finish when, uh, you know, he was a great athlete, but he was also a good dude. So, um, yeah. that's, that's, if I can go out like that, I'll be, I'll be a happy man, but maybe one more CrossFit Games trip, uh would uh would seal the deal for me sounds perfect so let's hit these rapid fire questions and then i'll let you go for the day um so it's 10 quick questions just whatever comes to your mind and so i saw that you have a super cool garage gym it is sweet what is the your favorite part of your garage gym my favorite part of my garage gym um honestly my favorite part of my garage gym is all my (laughs) my son's equipment because he Usually uh, what happens is I finish my training session and then uh, he's banging on the door to come in. He kind of knows the routine. Um, his, his child, his toy room is right next to my gym. So he has like a little toy room. We have a spare room in the house and that he can look through the window and see me in the gym. So when I'm training, I get to see him sort of pressed up against the window, looking at me. And then he knows as soon as I finish, he'll hear the garage door come down and he knows that's his time to come in and he's got his own little barbell and plates and, um, you know, no matter how tired or sore I am, or if I had a good session or a bad session, um, immediately when he comes down, I'm just in the best mood. So, um, I have to say his little barbell and, and, you know, him, him swinging on the rings and, um, yeah, the fact that it's nice and close to his room. So if I ever need motivation in the middle of a session, I can look up and smile and he's right there. So, um, that's probably my favorite part. That's great. Uh, so your favorite teammate from project X. <laughs> oh, that's hard. I'm going to offend two people here. Um, oh, that's really difficult. I have to say Khan. Um, I love, I love the girls dearly, but uh, uh, me and Khan have a special bond. And um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, uh, let's, let's leave it there. Khan. Okay. <laughs> coffee or pre-workout? Coffee. I don't drink pre-workout. I, I only drink coffee. It's, uh, I'm a massive coffee fan. Um, I drink too much of it, but uh, yeah, for sure. And what's your favorite kind of coffee? Uh, I tend, it, it varies. I, if I'm, if I'm uh, training, I tend to just have like a strong black coffee with a, just a dash of milk just to soften a little bit. Uh, but if I'm out for breakfast or a meal with friends, uh, it's, a, it's a strong latte. Best part about being a dad? 
the best part about being a dad, I think, is um, like seeing the seeing the amazement or the amazing. Oh, I don't even know how to word this. Just how how amazing the world is through a child's eyes. Again, I think having a kid and seeing them get joy out of the most simple things really makes you realize, or you, you sort of forget how incredible life is. And you have a kid and um, seeing them learn how to string words together or seeing them have fun with a box or a rock or, you know, like it's just, um, you know, and how much joy they get out of it. It makes you realize um, material things aren't important. It makes you realize um, how lucky you are to be alive. And I, that's the part I've really enjoyed, um, particularly in this early, early phase. That's great. And then favorite workout music? Uh, oh, that varies too. I got the weirdest playlist, man. Like I, I listen to some, I don't like anything overly heavy or crazy rap music, or I actually listen to like a lot of old stuff. So uh, for the most part, I've got like a, a playlist, which has got Queen and David Bowie and um, ACDC. And um, it, it'll have like, I mean, there's a video of me doing a back squat PR not, not that long ago to Celine Dion. So um, it, it varies a lot, but I, I try to, I, I don't know, I, I stick to the classics. Well, your heart has to go on when it needs to. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so I, this may not be a, a good question, but favorite sanctional you've been to? You didn't like the sanctional season, so, but maybe- No, it's, you, I mean, you... it's not that I didn't like the season. I just didn't really agree with the- um, I don't know. Like, I didn't like the fact that you could go to one event and do two, five events over two days and qualify for the games. And there'd be another event where there's 14 events over three days. And like, there was no, I don't know. I didn't feel like the tests for the people getting there were, um, you know, fair across the board, so to speak. Like, I didn't really feel like everyone was getting the same test going through. That was kind of a gripe I had about it. Um, you know, and I'd done a couple of events where the professionalism was noticeably less than the regionals um and that was kind of like you know like when you've come from competing in australia especially the regionals was as big as the game because a lot of people couldn't get to the game so the regional event down here was enormous like the crowd would the stadium would sell out um the events were awesome you know so to go from that to some of these sanctional events where there was three people in the crowd um and the events were a little bit like uh, i don't know if this is the right um you know test or whatever it may be and it's not not from a winning winning or losing point of view but just from an experience point of view um that kind of was something i had a gripe with but mate like the, the mayhem classic was definitely the gold standard for me in terms of sanctionals um it was it was so well run um i love the i love the tight-knit um atmosphere where it was in the gym but it was kind of like a, it still had a stadium feel about it the competition was all obviously amazing because the competitors, like every competitor in the field had some sort of games experience. Um, the little details, like they had throwdowns through the scoring and we had like a lanyard with a, a barcode on it, which you could scan in at any time. And it would tell you what time your heats were, where you were on the leaderboard, what you placed for certain workouts. If there were changes, they would be updated immediately. You know, so you weren't, you were never in the dark about any information or logistics. Um, they just had thought of everything and nailed everything. The security guards were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they thought so, of everything about, except for that major thunderstorm. What was, oh yeah, see, that was crazy. Yeah, I yeah. totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, we were at the back, but even then, like that was, that was a, a huge thing that they had to overcome. And, you know, as an athlete, it was a, 
it was not even a minor inconvenience because they did they they were just on it you know they just they had a they had a plan and they figured it out and you know we had to all put our bags up off the ground and whatnot but um you know we made it work i, I mean i'd totally forgotten about that so you just brought it up so it obviously wasn't an issue yeah so what's your go-to breakfast uh, I, at the moment, it, it's, I, I go through phases where I'll eat something for six months and then change. But at the moment I have a, I have a bacon and egg bagel. Um, so I have a bagel, like just a plain bagel, uh, with some bacon, a couple of eggs and a slice of cheese on it. Um, and then I have another half a bagel with something on it. Like it'll be jam or honey or something like that. Just with some extra carbs. Cause I'm usually going into a training session. Uh, and then usually a couple of coffees, <laughs> a couple, a couple, all. yeah, strong coffee. Favorite cheat meal? Pizza, any type, as long as it's good. But yeah, I, I if I, if pizza's ever an option, it's generally the one I go for. Yeah, someone told me a long time ago, uh, pizza's like sex. When it's good, it's really good, and when it's bad, it's still pretty good. It's still good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Funnily enough, one of the worst pizzas I ever had was in Rome. We went to Italy with my wife and I. Um, a couple of years ago and on new year's eve we went to we caught up with some friends over there and had pizza in rome and it was they, they say when you're in rome the basically the, the closer you are to the coliseum the worse the food is because it's more touristy and we we're around the coliseum we're like oh, it can't be that bad we went and had a pizza and it was like it was i'm, I'm sure these guys had like just microwaved this pizza from a from a supermarket it was awful i was like this is not what i expected when i come to italy uh, but again it was still pizza so i'm, I'm not complaining favorite thing to do on rest day absolutely nothing i try to be as far away from an athlete as possible um i generally it, it's usually my day to catch up on some things around the house like mowing the lawn and all that sort of stuff but um it's you know it's for me it's like i i find it re as i really try hard to switch off when i'm with my family and, and not be an athlete but on training days it's always kind of still lingering there and on my rest days it's the one day where i could really just be super present um, and not think about it at all, not be worried about what I have to do in the garage later on that night. Um, you know, and, and truth be told, it's, it's the, I think the hardest part of being an athlete for me is that, so there's a general, I find, I talk about this a lot with people is, um, just the general lingering tiny bit of anxiety you've got all the time. Like as an athlete, it's always there. There's always something you know, think that you're always thinking about training or if you're doing enough or if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing or food or sleep or it's, um, it's just this general tiny little bit of nag nagging anxiety. And on rest days, it kind of goes away um, for a bit and you just chill out and relax. So when I retire, I'm looking forward to that going away for good, hopefully, but um, we're not there yet. I'll deal yeah. with it for a bit longer. And your favorite lift? Uh, I still love the snatch. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's like a, it's a, you know, you said pizza's like sex. I think it's kind of like a bad relationship that you kind of stuck in. Like, <laughs> sometimes it hurts you, but uh, but I can't get away. So it's, you know, I, I love the snatch. It's such a great expression of athleticism. Um, when it's done right, it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. When it's, um, you know, that's by by watching it and also by feel. Like when you hit a good rep, it just um, it, everything's on song and, but you need, you obviously need to be incredibly strong, incredibly fast, incredibly flexible and mobile. And it's, it's in my, in my eyes, one of the greatest expressions of fitness you can, you can, um, you can perform. So for that reason, still the snatch. There is no better feeling than catching a squat in the, catching a snatch in the bottom of the squat no, and knowing no, no, all no, you no. have to do is stand it up. Yeah. It's the best. So when you, when you're on song and you hit, hit that rep and it's, and it's perfect or you, it feels perfect, it's, 
yeah, I agree. There's no, there's, certainly in sport, uh, in, in what I've done, there's no better feeling in the world. And when you do that in a, in a packed out stadium and everyone cheers for you, it's, it's you know, even better again. And I've had a few of those moments and they're very special. Well, that's it for the rapid fire. Okay. I want to thank you so much, Brandon, for being on. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, you're, you're just a good dude. And so that legacy will go on. And, uh, and hopefully this year you, you, you look like you're ready to kill it. And so I hope that you're back at the games and we can see you in Madison. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. I hope so too. And um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to see you in person again. Yeah, awesome. Well, have a great day. I know you're working with the teams. Uh, so go cheer them on and get them ready for event two. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to do the front squat. Well, they may, be, they may be doing it right now. There's a bit of commotion going on out there. So maybe, maybe they're squatting the house down right now. But uh, yeah, they've got a couple more events today. So uh, it'll be a fun day in the gym. But again, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Have a good one. See you, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends in partnership with The Morning Chalk Up. Please consider giving us a five-star rating and leaving us a review. It really helps our podcast. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.